Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. On today's episode of The Door Report, powered by Alaco Finewood Floors, we're joined by Mike Rooney, an analyst for D1Baseball.com. You can also see him on ESPN's college baseball coverage. We discuss all things Vanderbilt baseball with him, but we also dive into their series this weekend versus Tennessee and Knoxville, an absolutely huge series for both teams. He gives us his analysis and breakdown of both of those teams heading into the weekend on the east side of Tennessee. We also discuss Vanderbilt's North End Zone project announced yesterday. Candace Lee still has it rolling. We also touch on Friday night's scrimmage last week and look ahead to the spring game on Saturday. Shea Ralph is the new women's basketball coach. And much, much more coming right up here on The Door Report, powered by Alaco Finewood Floors. Let's ride. You're listening to The Door Report, the premier Vanderbilt podcast for fans who believe black and gold. Commodore Nation, anchor down. Welcome back into The Door Report. It is episode 79. It is Friday, not Friday yet, Thursday, April 15th, almost there, 2021. We are, as always, presented by the great folks at Alaco Finewood Floors. Well, again, we're, we're starting to go to a weekly mold here. We're coming down the home stretch, uh, you know, with uh, with Vanderbilt baseball, at least the beginning of the home stretch. We'll touch a lot on them today, but uh, there's been a lot going on. We got basketball news with women's basketball uh friday's scrimmage we're gonna get a full recap from you you were there um but yeah a lot to talk about and a lot of uh football especially with the spring game coming up to get to yeah i'm i'm going to appreciate any time that we have over the next few months that we say we've got a lot of news a lot of uh <laughs> a lot to get to because there's going to be a stretch over the summer where that is not going to be the case so no. appreciate appreciate it while you've got it because i'm definitely not going to be complaining about having too much to talk about right now yeah we'll see how uh, alive this summer is i know last summer was quite dead <laughs> we would do a pod every maybe two weeks and we'd have to find uh scratches to talk about but we've got a lot tonight uh to get get you you rolling here with the ending of your week we got the north end zone project announced today will uh big news from robbie weinstein he's been all over that story we'll touch on that uh friday night scrimmage as i talked about you were there will we'll get your full report uh and, and analysis from that and we'll look ahead to the spring game on saturday candace lee she made a great hire with shay ralph uh the former uconn assistant and ralph was also bringing in uh, her husband. So it's going to be a family affair for women's basketball. Now the Vandy boys though, they've been struggling. Will they, they did write the ship somewhat against Eastern Kentucky after losing the series of Georgia this past weekend, but they have a massive series coming up against Tennessee. We'll touch on that. And uh, we'll wish he could have been on, but Mike Rooney, D one baseball.com. He joined uh, So We'll get to that a little bit later, but before we get to breaking news, don't forget to follow us 
on Twitter at door underscore report and Instagram door dot report. Like us on Facebook, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Our podcast is available on Acre, iTunes, Spotify, and Google podcasts. And while you're at it, go give our podcast five stars and a review on iTunes. All right. It's now time for breaking news. Today's breaking news is brought to you by the recycling dudes. You may ask who are the recycling dudes? Well, their brothers, Graydon and Chapman and their dad, Drew Smith, who is a Metro Nashville firefighter living in Westmead. The recycling dudes recognize the need for a service that would take glass to the recycling for busy homeowners who care about our environment. They pick up your glass, separate it, and take it to be recycled. They offer monthly service as well as one-time party pickup, starting as low as $10 per month. All you have to do is sign up on their website at recyclingdudes.com. All right, well, here we go. The North End Zone project, it's finally going to be changed. It's not uh, RIP to the berm. Uh, it was well, a great... RIP to the tent originally. <laughs> so this is the uh, third rendition the of third the rendition. end zone that I've seen. But, yeah, the, the berm was was special for a lot of people for a couple years. I, I remember the Ole Miss game uh, in 2013. It was packed, and a lot of people would uh, – I, I know a lot of people that had season tickets on the berm, and uh, especially the seating out behind where you could go and watch the game. There has been some gripes about maybe it's not the best view uh, for, for a club-level seat, but, hey, we're, they're doing what they can right now. And uh, Candice Lee had a great quote. She said, renovating the north end zone space and adding a premium element for the upcoming season is one aspect of our larger commitment to improve our fan experience in Vanderbilt Stadium. And we put the picture of uh, the renderings up, and it's, it's pretty cool. It's, a lot, uh, it's, it's definitely an upgrade from the berm, and we can say that. It's not a whole lot. Uh, but the fact that they're going to have this done before uh, the start of this season, next season, is big. It, it's something. It's it's going to be a step in the right direction, um, and and they'll be done in. Uh, well, the locker room will be done in a couple weeks, but uh, this will be done in the summer. So, will this is a this is a start? You know, this is a start. It's nothing massive. I think a lot of people might have wanted something like Missouri did, uh, a little bit more of that. But I think the bottom line is they didn't want to tear down the jumbotron. I really do. I think that that would have been a big haul. Uh, and yes, they have a lot of money flowing in right now. But, uh, you know, wh- why not just stick with what you have and, and do as much as you can with what you already have? We talked about it a lot when relating to the pandemic and allowing fans into the stadium. But uh, with Vanderbilt's unique situation of being inside a city and they're completely landlocked. So they're extremely yeah. limited There's on no space. Yeah, on what they can do. They can't expand out, over, up, because the football stadium literally overhangs the baseball stadium. I mean, it literally will hit (laughs) foul balls into that stadium. So, I mean, I don't necessarily think that was the most pressing issue in that stadium. I think it's more what it represents to me is what is what is exciting about it, because it's it's something that's not a necessity to be done by Vanderbilt Athletics. They're spending the money anyway. Um, And I was talking about it with with a few different people and that's a really terrible view, especially when they're wanting to be charging $1,500 a seat, $8,000 a pod or box or whatever they call it. Yeah. But I will say, I don't think that those seats are targeted to football fans. I think those seats are trying to bring back Vanderbilt former students who have made a uh, lot of money uh, doing what they've done before. Because changing, me and you and a normal fan is not going to be paying $1,500 a seat. You will not not see us there. No, (laughs) these are people with plenty of money. Um, Vanderbilt's long time complain about their student bodies. They don't care about football. They didn't grow up in the South generally. 
So they are going for the experience and whatever you can do to up that experience, get more donors, get more money flowing in and then expand out those renovations. So that was my thought when I first saw it. Um, but that being said, I mean, it's going to be done in July, which yeah. is pretty impressive considering we didn't even know this was in the works and it's going to be done before this upcoming season. Yeah. So I'm excited to see how it turns out. I think it'll probably look a lot better than those renderings did. Yeah. Um, I think it'll look a lot more complete and actually like it fits into the stadium. But if they're going ahead and getting that done in July, I'll be pretty impressed to see what they're able to accomplish before the season rolls out elsewhere. Yeah. And Will, I, I really agree with you on the experience because, yes, they're watching a football game. But give them some some Hattie B's hot chicken. Give them some cocktails and, and let them enjoy their time there because they're spending, you know, a lot of money on that on, on watching it from that angle. Uh, so if they they they're looking at the game and they don't like you said they don't necessarily care about the game itself and they might look up and see the score, um, but they want these to be Vanderbilt fans. The, the berm would sometimes I remember be packed. I remember the Georgia game. There's it was packed. It was all red. So I think this is going to be specific for Vanderbilt fans. I, I, I don't. I mean, can you do that? I'm sure. I don't think Georgia fans are going to be spending that much money to go sit um, in in the loge boxes that they're talking about out there. But I totally agree with you, Will. It's all about the experience, and that's what I think Candace Lee understands. And she said in March that she thinks the donors and fans have noticed the commitment to improving its athletic facilities. Um, and she said there has been a change. And she said she's felt it since day one. We might not agree, but you know it's it's going to be it's going to be really interesting to see how this stadium starts to morph into something new. You know, I mean, it's because the South End Zone that's going to be totally different as well. That's where the football operations building is going to be. And will, if you're for for the listeners, if you're in the press box, to the right is the South End Zone, to the left is the North. You know that. I know some Vanderbilt fans might have gotten gotten confused, but for for anyone wondering, that's where it's going to be. But it, it's going to be a whole different atmosphere and a whole different energy. And I think that's what Vandy fans are, are looking forward to. Yeah. The South end zone is where I sit. So I'll, there you I'm go. really it's, hoping that I, that let's one hope overtake. we keep your seat. Yeah. That's, that's what I'm thinking. But a, a couple other things. First, I want to say I have, I was pretty harsh on Candace Lee coming in. Um, we were both a little harsh. I think I was harsher because yep. it seemed like a lot of talk. I want to come on here right now and say, I'm extremely sorry, Candace Lee. Please accept my apology. I was horribly, horribly wrong. Between her and Daniel Deermeyer, they really do have um, dynamic duo. In, yeah, things rolling in a way we've never seen. No doubt. One other thing, I don't know how you solve it with the stadium. So if if you're a Vanderbilt fan, you've been in that stadium ever. The, Vanderbilt has a an optics problem of opponents, oh, boy, fans coming in, taking over the stadium. And that's exacerbated by the fact that the season tickets and main Vanderbilt home side is on the same side as the media box, like right, you mentioned, right. where the cameras are for ESPN. So when they are filming the entire game, it's showing the opponent section that sells to visitor tickets what is already probably a lot of times 70 80 percent opposing fans you're showing where they buy their tickets and you're not showing any so i don't know if there's a real solve to that issue because you can't really flip them because the sun's i used to have season tickets around the 40 50 on that visitor side Mm -hmm. and the sun is in your eyes horrendously so that's why they did it but i don't think they had it in mind of the optics on television. So it'll be interesting because they seem to be very aware of the optics around the program. Um, you have kind of a different mindset in there. So it'll be interesting if they try to fix that issue in any way. Well, I think a lot of it is on Tommy McClellan 
because he helped a lot with Louisiana Tech, and we had him on, um, and he was talking a lot about just the experience that they want to create. Um, and and if if for anyone wants to go back to that, a lot of it, he will talk. He touched on a lot of that. And will we could talk about the future of Vanderbilt Stadium? All you know, maybe all podcasts. Yeah. Uh, but let's move on now uh, because we will. We we can we have plenty of time all summer to talk about the renovations. The Vandy boys, they are well. Let's actually let no. Let's go to the. Let's stay with football. The scrimmage. Scrimmage recap time. Friday, Will, you were in attendance. And what I was looking for, I didn't go, obviously, but what, I think what a Vanderbilt fan is expecting to see is some organization, um, some communication, and just a renewed energy. Uh, and, and you were texting me in the group, and, and you said that there is an energy. There's a difference in this team's energy and, and how they practice in the way Coach Lee goes about um, coaching his guys. So, Will, what did you see uh, I mean, you were pretty close. What did you see in terms of the energy and just the way, um, you know, things were run? And then, of course, some of the player analysis that you have. Right off the jump, I want to say I've got two things to say about fan attendance, one, um, and then something else after. But number one, the fan attendance was pretty low. Um, not, I'm not going to lie. It was very low. But you also had it rescheduled from Saturday. Um, I was 100% going regardless, and they rescheduled. I got off work. I live about 10 minutes from Vanderbilt Stadium, drove immediately down there. I was still about five or 10 minutes late. So a lot of the fans that would have been there were at that Vanderbilt game um, that probably would have attended on Saturday. So I didn't take a lot from the lack of fans there. There were some. Um, but here, here, did you get to shake Coach Lee's hand? That's what I – I didn't get there in time for that. (laughs) I was about 10 minutes late. Damn. Got there as quick as I could. That would have been a great video. That would have been legendary. (laughs) And number two, take all of the, I'm going to kind of run through the positions really quickly, kind of, kind of breaking down what I saw, but keep in mind, they didn't, they didn't have any uh, numbers. So I was looking for some binoculars. You were looking at the body types, but it it was pretty tough to figure out, especially the big uglies in the trenches. It was pretty tough to figure out who was making a play, what linebacker came in there and made a play. So um, I, I, you can kind of jump in here whenever you have an opinion, but I'm just going to kind of go down really quickly position by position. Um, quarterback obviously seals is the guy and, and the difference in his abilities compared to Mike Wright and Musa, um, were pretty, evident, pretty yeah. crazy. I mean, it was more than evident. I mean, you yeah. could legitimately see having never watched them. You watch one series with each of them and you can tell who the starting quarterback is. Um, the interesting thing to keep on eye keep an eye on during summer camp is going to be who's the legit QB two, because we know that Mike Wright has packages um, that they're going to utilize him in running, but who is the second quarterback if Seals was to go down? Because I was I was pretty impressed by Moose's arm. Sounds like they like Moose, yeah. Yeah, so it'll be pretty interesting to watch that battle. Um, yeah, because I'm not I'm right now I really do think they're on the fence, and we did see a little bit more read option play with Ken Seals. Um, actually running the football, actually looking like he has an option to run as opposed to last year that it looked like he was running out fakes. But we'll see if if, if that goes through because it's kind of hard to tell because they can't tackle the quarterback. So it was hard to tell if that was really effective <laughs> yeah. or not. Um, but going to some positions that aren't as solidified running back, uh, from what I saw, Ramon Davis is the most talented guy um, in that backfield. He looks honestly running kind of a combination between Zach Stacy. And Keyshawn Vaughn. Oh, um, I'm not going to say that the 100% level of them, but that's who he reminds me of. Yeah, the body um, of Zach a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and Marlowe didn't didn't play um, for whatever reason. I don't know if he was healing from an injury or if I just missed him out there because, like I said, no jersey numbers. Um, you could have been watching Marlowe instead of Davis. <laughs> <laughs> Rocco Griffin looked pretty good. 
Um, the, the running back has a pretty pretty broad range of the ways that I can see it going. And a lot of that is going to come down to that offensive line with some guys returning that has potential to actually be pretty good. Um, but I would expect probably Davis to take over that main role, about 60 yeah. to 70% of touches. But um, wide receiver is one that this could be the deepest three receivers and most talented that they've had probably since Jordan Matthews, Chris Boyd, and Jonathan Krause. Mm. Um, with with Pierce Johnson, Amir Abdurrahman, and then uh, possibly Skinner Jr. coming in and kind of being that fourth guy. But Chris, Chris, Chris Pierce, Pierce is a monster. Man, he he made it He's a catch a on the side on a. I believe it was from Mike Wright. And every single time I pulled my phone out to take a video, nothing cool happened. Every single time I put <laughs> no, it down, an incredible play was happening. But Cam Johnson scored a touchdown on a seam route or, or a forty yarder on a seam route. Yeah. And Chris Pierce made an incredible catch. So those guys have potential to be pretty dominant if Seals can get the time in the pocket to get them the ball in that running game is at least decent. Yeah. Um, at tight end, Schoenwald and Bresnahan took almost every single receiving snap um, with the ones and twos. Uh, the rest seemed to be a lot more blocking rotational tight ends. Mm-hmm. Offensive line, the, this is where the problems start coming. This is where the, the issues start to arise. Just when I was there, and I missed the first five to ten minutes, they only went for about an hour when I was there. And right. the exchange between the quarterback and the center was absolutely horrible. I mean, there were probably oh, no. five snaps over the quarterback's head um, or fumbled snaps under center. And those are those are game killers for a team like Vanderbilt that's that's outmatched them. And you saw a lot about oh, you saw a lot of that last year too. Yeah, and it doesn't look like it's improved. I couldn't really tell for for the most part. They were doing rotating guys in a lot. There were mm-hmm. a lot of three and outs for the offense, but it looked like Hernandez, um, Julian Hernandez, yeah. was at center, and he seemed to really be struggling getting that ball down on on the snap. So that's something to keep an eye on, and those issues don't usually go away. So that'll be yeah. something to keep an eye on week one against ETSU. But moving to the side of the ball that was actually really, really impressive and gave me a lot of a lot of hope for the upcoming season as it is Clarkley's specialty. Um, the defensive line has potentially the best defensive line they've ever had. I mean, the size of these guys is it already is a legit SEC defensive line. A lot of line. athletes. Lot yeah, of Malik athletes. Langham, Lorenzo Sergers, those guys stand out immediately. They're huge. Malik Langham's effing huge yeah i mean and he's, he's, he's finally starting to play too he didn't play yes. really at all last year i'm expecting a big jump from him and then davion davis marcus bradley rashawn wilkins is a bowling ball his legs are tree trunks and tank sujic are all going to be kind of rotating in on that defensive tackle i would say davion davis rashawn wilkins will probably get a majority of the looks uh-huh. and a guy that i haven't heard anyone talking about um the transfer from ohio state alex williams yeah i mean he looks like an nfl top 10 draft pick I mean, he looks like Jadavion Clowney, Miles Garrett. He is immediately a guy that no net, no numbers on the back of the jersey, couldn't read names. And I looked at him and I was like, oh, my God, who is that? Yeah, he's, so, he's I don't got know a great body. Field. I don't know if you've heard anything about, about him, but he was, he set out last season, I believe, or I don't remember really remember when he transferred in. From the videos, it looks like on Twitter, he's playing, practicing a lot. So I, I think, I mean, I, we don't know for officially, but we should, we should be seeing Alex Williams this year. Man, he he I, I didn't see him make any particular plays, but just the body type he has, he yeah. looks like an absolute freak. And that's the kind of guy Vanderbilt doesn't usually have uh, out there. Yeah. The linebackers is probably the area that this team's going to struggle um, tremendously. Uh, you've got the Orgy brothers who who are going to have to step up and have huge years yeah. if the, that position group is going to be successful. Um, you kind of have that weird three, four where some of the guys are more defensive linemen, but they're caught. Class- 
linebackers like Elijah McAllister. Um, Ethan Barr is a big body middle linebacker, but last year he he looked so slow. I mean, he looked so slow. He, he looked like a young kid out there. Just yeah, and he made some good plays in that in that scrimmage. But man, he hopefully his lateral quickness and ability to cover side to side on the field has improved because when you think back on on the great linebackers at Vanderbilt, they all had that ability because mm-hmm. that defensive line a lot of the times is pretty thin, even though they'll have more depth this year and they kind of struggle. Um, to stop that initial push and those those middle linebackers are going to have to fill those gaps pretty quickly Mm. um, whether inside or outside the secondary is the one that i said had the highest ceiling it's gonna be a fun man they have the highest ceiling in the lowest basement um they from what it looked like in the scrimmage if it holds clark lee had about seven or eight guys in the box within three or four yards of the line of scrimmage every single play Mm. and the and that's a big change from Derek mason's defensive philosophy even the corners we're playing with a lot less. Yeah, let, let's play some tight football here. You know, we don't yeah, need to there, play there were, 10, 15 yard cushion. I mean, yeah, there were no 10 yard cushions. Um, even when they were in deeper cover three, they were still six to eight yards away from the receivers to 12, which is what it looked like last mm-hmm. year under Mason. Um, and the, and a lot of times it was single high safety with one kind of rotating down to be more of a rover. So mm-hmm. it'll be pretty interesting. It's a very different three, four style defense than what Mason played. And it looks like Clark Lee kind of has the mindset and we'll see if this sticks of they'd rather die by the big punches than by a thousand tiny cuts of just letting teams right. run five, 10 yards a pop. So right. I would prefer that. Um, Alan George, Judy Lolly looked really good. Donovan Kaufman is going to be a stud back again oh. this year. And Maxwell Worship was the person I had highlighted that was the guy that stuck out making plays really, really consistently on the field. So Worship, I'm looking to have kind of a breakout year there at that second safety position. And Kaufman's actually listed on the on the roster as a DB, not just a safety. So we'll see if he's kind of rotating in kind of that star position or whatever they called it. Um, that Clark Lee likes to implement. He could. I have a feeling he's going to be the star. I I mean, the Mm -hmm. the way he's built. And, and the way he just kind of flies around the field, he's got a lot to learn probably. But, I mean, looking at his body, I don't see how, why he, you know, Clark wouldn't want him as a star. Yeah, you know? and then the last on the list, which is something that gets a lot of attention at Vanderbilt, is special teams. Um, <laughs> from what I saw punting, oh, I don't know why. Uh, Apparently there was some big national story surrounding it, but, but we'll move on past that. Uh, punting, from what I saw, looked pretty good. I got there five to ten minutes late. Apparently the first few punts were pretty bad. Um, but after that, they seem to settle down. Um, field goals, short field goals and extra points were all good inside of 30. They kicked about a 45, 50 yarder, and I think it was 15 yards short. So I don't know. Is there a trans- transfer kicker from Bama yes, that's going to be uh, here this year? Yes, Joseph Bullivus from Bama. He was, he was, I mean, he made, his stats are pretty solid. I think he missed four. Uh, maybe five kicks uh, in, in, you know, at least in one year he was at Alabama, but he did miss a couple really big ones, but he's a lot better than anything they had last year. Um, so I think Bullivis is going to be, that's his name. Now you also have some other guys in there that could compete, but I think if you bring this kid in, he's going to be your guy. I mean, I'd be pretty Bama, shocked if, if yeah. he's not, what was the guy Orrin Milstein last year? That Orrin was Milstein didn't, didn't he really was- play. Well, he didn't. Yeah. He opted out. He was supposed to be the guy that was coming in. So yeah. they're trying to do that again. Hopefully this one works out better. I would say the moment he steps on the field, he'll be the starting place kicker because the guys they have right now are pretty, pretty awful. Yeah. I mean, I don't like to bash positions, but they're horrendous. But so, and yeah, I mean, you bring in a guy from Alabama and who's their kicker and was there for two years. He's going to be your guy and he should be your guy. So 
Um, yeah, I mean, that, that's a hell of a report, Will. I mean, I think we need to get you there uh, Saturday somehow uh, and, and get you get a, maybe even a live report. But, uh, again, it's, it's just interesting to see how this team starts to kind of morph into who they are. Uh, a guy that stands out and who really I'm excited to watch is Kaufman, Donovan Kaufman, because um, he was injured last year, correct? Um, so, or at least after, after the beginning of the season, he played mm-hmm. against LSU. Uh, but him, and then offensively, how good Chris Pierce still is. You know, how much better can he get? Because he's got potential to be a top maybe three-round draft pick, you know, if he, if he keeps playing the way he is. Uh, so, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll keep talking, uh, you know, especially with football, spring game coming up. We'll preview that um, as, as well. Uh, but, again, spring game, 11 a.m. Are you going to head over there? Unfortunately, I'm going to be out in East Tennessee, so I'm not going to be able to. I'll so you're going to be in for, Knoxville for, land for, uh, for Vanderbilt spring game. Yes, I will. Well, hey, you got buddies over there. We'll, we'll give you that one uh, for now. But you will be we'll, – we'll all be in Nashville for ETSU week one. Uh, but spring game, we just, just kind of analyzed it. But we'll, we'll move in now to women's basketball, Will. A huge hire was made by Candace Lee, Shea Ralph. And what really impressed me, Will, was the speed at which Candace got this done. I mean, it was, it was ridiculous. It seemed like a week after uh, Stephanie White was fired, she is able to bring in Shea Ralph who was uh, formerly an assistant coach uh, for a long time at UConn under Gina Oriema. Her, he uh, has done a decent job over there. Uh, but her husband, Tom Garrick, will join her on the staff. Uh, he's formerly the head coach at UMass Lowell. So already you got a, two people who have been coaching uh, in women's basketball for a long time. Well, it's, it's a great hire. And again, there's not a whole lot of coverage with women's basketball, especially with the way Vanderbilt has been playing recently. Uh, but the future is bright there for women's basketball, uh, not only for Clark Lee, but women's basketball. This is a great hire. It's kind of amazing when you look at the football program, not even being able to finish the season, having its first uh, winless season in uh, a lot of years. Um, and you look at that and say, that's the second most dysfunctional program at the university. And number one was by far women's basketball. Mm-hmm. So this was desperately needed more than football was even, even um, it just doesn't get enough attention, but Vanderbilt women's basketball was, you know, pretty prevalent and pretty successful for a long stretch of time. And I mean, they took a nosedive even greater than the men's program did, which is pretty impressive, man. So uh, you, <laughs> yeah. this is a home run hire. You, you know, Candace Lee's plugged into that program. She played there. So this is at the top of her mind. And I mean, when you reach out and get what looked like to be the probable successor to the UConn women's basketball dynasty and you bring them over to Vanderbilt, that's pretty impressive. And I can't say anything besides it's a home run besides it's a home run hire. Yeah. I mean, I didn't know who she was, but all I had to hear was UConn assistant. And and that yep. that's what got me and and another hell of a hire from Candace Lee and, and she continues uh to impress. Will we're running out of time here for segment one, but we will touch on the Vandy Boys huge series. Uh you're gonna be in Knoxville, uh, and that's gonna be a hell of an atmosphere at uh Lindsey Nelson Stadium. Game one tomorrow night, seven o'clock Eastern time on ESPNU. Game two, Saturday, four PM Eastern time, SEC network. Game three will be at 1 p.m. Eastern on the SEC, excuse me, SEC Network Plus. But will both teams tied for first in the SEC East? Vandy's at 26 and five overall. Tennessee is at 28 and six. D1 Baseball has Vandy at number two overall. They got Tennessee at number five overall. But Baseball America has put a chip on Vandy's shoulder. They have Tennessee at number five and Vandy at number six. And that's 
I mean, I'm not sure if Tim Corbin's looking at that and saying, hey, guys, putting it on the bulletin board, but that's all the motivation you need. The motivation's there for Vandy, especially after getting walloped by Georgia at home. Now they get to go on the road and play a really good Tennessee team. This is as good as Tennessee's baseball has been in a while. Uh, they've already taken three-game series sets from Georgia, LSU, Alabama, and Florida. They're 18-3 and three at home. So Tennessee's a really good team. They can hit, they hit the ball well. Uh, it's going to be a fun series, Will. It, it really is. The fans, the, the students at Tennessee are going to be jacked up, and it's going to be fun to see how Vandy responds in a great atmosphere against their rival. This is what you live for as a, as a Vandy fan, you know, beating up on the, the sport that you can beat Tennessee up in, you do it. And, and this is why we watch Vandy baseball. Yeah, the to show how hot of a ticket and how that environment's going to be, I was just pulling up SeatGeek. So before fees or anything like that, Friday night's game, the lowest ticket is $170. Saturday, the lowest ticket is $260. So Checked your phone real quick and said, nope, I'll watch that at home. Yeah, I would say that's probably going to be a little bit out of what I would pay to go see them. And the biggest biggest thing that I do want to point out, and I don't want to be this guy and this fan, because I hate when Tennessee fans do it. I hate when Alabama fans do it. But this game means a lot more to Tennessee than it does to Vanderbilt. It does. It um, does. And typically we say that in reverse when it's in football. We say this game means a lot more to Vanderbilt than Tennessee. Vanderbilt's here every year. They're top five, top ten, and they will be in Tim, until Tim Corbin retires. They'll be top five, top ten every single season. Tennessee is going to get it once out of every five, 10, 20 seasons, um, they'll be that talented. So they're going to come in with the mindset of this is the year to retake the state in baseball, which is the thing that Vanderbilt dominates in. So this is a regular season SEC series. I don't want to put too much weight, just like I'm not going to come on here and start to panic because they lost a series to Georgia. Yeah. Um, they dropped two games and I'm not going to panic because they only beat Eastern Kentucky six to four. If they start stumbling and lose early in the SEC tournament, then I'll start to be concerned that they're in postseason play and these problems are still persisting. But as of right now, um, I don't have a lot of concern regardless of outcome going into the Tennessee game, but ah. damn, it would feel really good to go in there and sweep these guys. It sure would. It, it sure would. And, and I talked to Mike Rooney about it and you look at Vanderbilt, Vanderbilt versus Tennessee football. Who wants to watch that game in the past few years? Who wants to watch Vanderbilt, Tennessee basketball? Mm-hmm. Tennessee fans do. They've been beaten up on Vandy, but now we get a really competitive series in the big three sports to be able to watch ESPNU tomorrow night. It's going to be a fun weekend. And Tennessee fans are confident. They're confident. Their team is confident. And, and they're, they're expecting to, to win this series against Vandy. Uh, it's going to be really interesting to see how Vandy uh, responds. They got a lot. They're banged up. They're banged up. Tate Colwick is still out. Cooper Davis is still out. Isaiah Thomas uh, was back against Eastern Kentucky. We'll see if he's able to play this weekend. But something I want to touch on, Will, is Patrick Riley, the Game 3 starter. He was really roughed up against Georgia. He's going to start Game 3 again on Sunday. Uh, and that could be the series de- uh, deciding game. And and Corbin is going with the freshman, Riley. Obviously, he got rocker Game 1, lighter Game 2. But that, that could be it, Will. That could be it for, for Patrick Riley if he's able to improve and, and you know, not get as roughed up as he was against Georgia, that could be the series. Um, so, again, it, this is something that Tennessee fans are confident. Vandy fans are looking at this and saying, hey, this, you know, we should win this. You know, th- 
Vandy, in, in terms of baseball, both teams, are, I'm sure, are not getting up any more than they would against any other team. Yes, it's a rivalry, but I think it's different than football. Uh, you no, know, that's I mean, not true. These guys are pretty fired up for this game. Consi- I mean, I, 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 I'm going to dis- especially with the fact they're looking at all the buzz and they're looking at ticket prices. Vanderbilt's game against Ole Miss are going for 20 bucks a ticket at Ole I, Miss. I agree I mean, somewhat. This, this I, is a big environment. I agree somewhat with you, but I don't think it's like football where you know it's it's where okay football we're playing tennessee this is our in-state rival but baseball vandy's dominated i mean when is tennessee they, tennessee has beaten vandy since 2016 so yes tennessee players are are amped up for this i guess i'm speaking on the vandy side vanderbilt players that mm-hmm. i mean this is they probably don't even think it's a rivalry like you know <laughs> but but it's going to be fun and no doubt about it you know it's going to be a fun series um and and again espnu tomorrow night east 7 p.m eastern and then Saturday, 4 p.m. Eastern time, we'll see if Vandy can get it done. I mean, if they can't, this that then I think that's when you start thinking, okay, what's this team about? Do they need to just get healthy? Because we're at the halfway mark right now. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean it's all going to come down pretty much every series Vanderbilt plays is if, if Kumar Rocker and Jack Glider have their stuff and bring their A game or even their B game, Vanderbilt won't lose a series. And that's the entire season. Doesn't matter when it is. If those two guys bring their A game, Vanderbilt cannot be beat in a two out of in a three game series because those guys are going to throw and give up less than one or two earned runs. And that's just is what it is. So it's all going to come down to those guys winning the series. What's what's concerning is the inconsistency of of Riley, like you mentioned. And then I believe they're missing three starters. So, yeah. Somebody out and said something about if you took away the two starting pitchers for Vanderbilt, they wouldn't be that good. And I wanted to fire back and say, what do you mean? If okay, you took well, away? Let's, take, let's take the two best players and knock out three of their starters um, on, on the team and say they're not that good. Okay, let's take away five <laughs> of their best players. Well, no team in America at any level in any sport is going to be any good. Yeah, if it's you like, take let, let, let's take, take away Mac Jones and Devontae Smith from Alabama. They're not that good. They're not, they're that's not a, as good as they were. <laughs> yeah, that's, we'll just, that's what, that's what that logic is right there. But, yeah, we'll uh, take away uh, LeBron James and Anthony Davis off the Lakers. That team's not good. They've got a problem. So yeah, that, 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 that argument problem. doesn't make a lot of sense. Vandy, Vandy must have a problem. Number one yep. and number two draft picks. Uh, <laughs> you know, they got a problem. But, Will, the X Factor is Kumar Rocker. Kumar, Kumar, he played poorly uh, last week against Georgia. We'll have to see. Can he rebound? Can he bounce back against Tennessee and get it done tomorrow night again at ESPNU, 7 o'clock Eastern time? Coming right up, though, we got Mike Rooney, college baseball analyst, D1Baseball.com. He's also uh, he's been on college baseball coverage on ESPN, so we'll talk to Mike about the series. Coming up in Knoxville, Vandy and Tennessee. We've got Mike Rooney coming right up here on the Door Report, powered by Alaco Fine Wood Floors. Before we get to the interview with Mike Rooney from D1Baseball.com, it's now time to send it over to Gary Scales for a few words on our presenting sponsor, Alaco Fine Wood Floors. No matter what style you're going for, you can trust your flooring job to Alaco Fine Wood Floors. Take a walk through the woods in your home every day. Get your flooring job started today by calling 615 615- Three five six zero three zero three, Alaco Fine Wood Floors, craftsmanship you can stand on. 
Welcome back into The Door Report. I'm Billy Derrick, and I am now happy to be joined by Mike Rooney. He's the college baseball analyst. Not the, he's one of them. There's a lot of them over <laughs> at D1Baseball.com. Also uh, covering college baseball for ESPN on TV. He played college baseball at Notre Dame and also spent seven years at Arizona State, including six as an assistant under Pat Murphy from 98 to 04. He's now one of the premier college baseball analysts the game has to offer. He's an excellent Twitter follow as well, at Mike underscore Rooney. He joins us now live from Prescott, Arizona. Mike, thanks for checking in. How you doing? Yeah, Billy, thanks for having me. I'm great. Yeah, really good. This is uh, hard to believe. Like, weekend nine is is eminent. It's uh, who, who knew? We, we were just excited for weekend one, but now we're on nine. <laughs> yeah, we're already there, and we've got a lot of really good series this weekend. I'm sure you know uh, you will be at Michigan, Minnesota, but uh, we're going to talk about a game going on down in Knoxville uh, this weekend that I think it's the biggest covering Vanderbilt, the biggest uh, series these two teams have played in a long time. So it's a top five matchup. And, um, you know, it, it, this could be the best series of the weekend, at least from people in the South. Uh, there's a lot of really good series uh, coming up this weekend. But in, the, in your mind, is this the best series coming up this weekend? Yeah, I mean, I think it is because it's, um, uh, you know, like right now, not to be overly Vandy centric, but my college baseball is Vandy centric, you know, like it's right. Kumar Rocker and Jack Leiter, that is the appointment television that we have in college baseball right now. You know, what those two kids are doing, like there's a reason that ESPN is moving Jack Leiter starts to ESPN too, right? right? It's, <laughs> it's not because they like his dad. It's because this kid is super compelling. And obviously Kumar is, you know, like he's the star of stars that we have in college baseball. So, and then, you know, Tennessee, you know, first of all, it's an in-state rivalry and Tennessee has played so well and, you know, they have a really neat team as well. And, and um, yeah, it's, it's a fascinating matchup for, for, you know, I think anytime Vandy's playing a really good team this year, it's fascinating. Hey, even if they're not playing a really good team, <laughs> lighter and rocker is fascinating. But when you've got a team like Tennessee, who's played so well and is a top five team themselves, yeah, I mean, gosh, what's not to like? Yeah, I, I, I want to go a little bit deeper on this rivalry. And in, in football, it's a big rivalry. Basketball, you know, it's it's a lot bigger, but it's kind of a, a breath of fresh air between these two teams right now because the football and basketball matchups haven't been very pleasing the past several years, and we finally get a good one. So, Mike, how much do you think this could benefit, whether that's recruiting for both teams in the state, and how much do you think these rivalries in state help college baseball and, and the rest of um, kind of that state and just kind of elevating the game? Yeah, I think it's, um, yeah, I think about when you said rivalries, like I think about the Mississippi schools, like that's awesome. Obviously, mm -hmm. I think about Bedlam, I think about Arizona, Arizona State. I mean, there's a bunch of, uh, one of my favorite under the radar rivalries in college baseball is Cal State Fullerton and Long Beach State. Uh. But it's, but it's interesting for when you think about Vandy and Tennessee, they were kind of like ships passing in the night in the early 2000s because Vandy just had never been invested in college baseball until Tim Corbin came. And right about when Tim Corbin came, to Nashville, Tennessee's baseball program was was kind of starting this long, uh, you know, journey into the desert. And, and, I, and I don't mean that in a positive way. You know, it's just like when when Coach Delmonico left, Coach Delmonico had a, some really nice runs. And for whatever reason, you know, it's it's um, there, it's never one thing. You know, obviously, a lot of times people just point to a coach or something like that. But rarely when a program falls off, is it just one thing? But for whatever reason, Tennessee really 
fell off in baseball after being, you know, a team that would run themselves to Omaha under Coach Delmonico. So it's really interesting. Coach Delmonico's leaving, Coach Corbin's coming, and then um, the program's just literally going opposite directions. And, you know, there were flashes of brilliance for Tennessee. And then, you know, they hire Coach Vitello, and he's really, you know, I, I think Tony Vitello's got you know, he was a great fit for Tennessee. He's hired a great staff. And so, yeah, here we go. I mean, I, but to answer your question, I think it's really good for college baseball. I think it's, um, t- you know, Vandy needs zero help in recruiting right now. Like, right, they're a national brand. Um, they play in the best league in the country. Everybody wants to play at Vandy. But for Tennessee, you know, I think one of the things that did happen to that program was, you know, Vandy happened. And not right. only was Vandy recruiting nationally, but Vandy was getting the first pick of the Tennessee kids. I mean, Sonny Gray is the first name that comes to my mind that, mm-hmm. hey, in 1995, Sonny Gray probably goes to Tennessee, not right. Vandy. Right. And so right. Um, now, you know, Tennessee is, you know, they're landing Tennessee kids and, you know, like it's a real recruiting battle. It's a fair fight, if you will. So, yeah, it's um you know, as a college baseball nerd, I'm really excited for the series, but this rivalry will continue to heat up in the near future. Mike, I want to ask you now, I think a lot of Mississippi State fans and SEC fans in general are griping about the 11.7 scholarships um, and, you know, the advantages that appear to be there for Vanderbilt. And, and, mm-hmm. and, and yes, it, that, that's, you can't um, deny that it's an advantage, but Vanderbilt, you can't say that's the only reason that Tim Corbin has had success there. So from your point of view, I've always wanted to ask um, a guru, a college baseball guru about this and this argument, how much of, of that, of the success, I guess, recently is, is due to the, the scholarships and how much of it is Corbin's just a hell of a coach. Yeah. I mean, I think it's uh gosh, you know, it's, it's a fascinating question. You know, I, I think, I think there's a lot of parts to it, right? So, right. you know, like, like, so I don't know what kind of institutional aid Vandy has available, but clearly they have institutional aid available, right? And so, but so did Stanford back in the day and they do now and so does Rice. And, you know, the, the you know, in the 90s when LSU was doing their thing, I mean, they obviously have a state lottery program that helps and Florida has a scholarship that helps and Georgia has a scholarship that helps. And so, you know, I, I, the way I think of it is this, like Vandy, really struggled in baseball for a long, long time. Right. You know, there was right. no track record. <laughs> um, they were, you know, and, and this is not to just take down the previous coaches. I mean, clearly it was the school was not invested. And so the product was the product, right? And so Tim Corbin comes and got the school really excited about college baseball. I mean, I, I think we'd be fools to pretend that, hey, when the Vandy job came open, they had 10 trillion applicants and like, you know, <laughs> Buck Showalter wanted the job, right? It's That was not the case. I mean, nah. Tim Corbin was an extremely attractive candidate, but still it was a program that had struggled. So I think Tim Corbin deserves all the credit in the world for getting the school excited about it where institutional aid was even a factor. Now, the, the schools that, that want to just say that's not fair, what Vandy has, I mean, I don't know. It wasn't fair in the 90s when LSU had their lottery program and other people didn't. But the, mm-hmm. the way to fix it is not to rip on Vandy. The way to fix it is to say, hey, look at the program Vandy can have with some institutional aid, with more financial resources available. 
let's have the rest of college baseball right. come to that mark. It's like, it'd be like us saying in, 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 in major league baseball, Hey, the way to have more parity is to cut the Yankees payroll in half. <laughs> no, the way to make more parity is to take the Rays and the pirates payroll up. And right. that's, that's the way to do it. So I, I don't, I, you know, honestly, I find that argument to be really tired um, I get it, right? Like Vandy ha- ha- apparently has more of a salary cap than other programs. So we need to find ways for those other programs to have more resources available for players. And in the meantime, you know, the, the Yankees don't win the World Series every year. The Dodgers don't win the World Series every year. The Dodgers have won the World Series twice in, in basically 25 years. So, you know, it, there, there's still plenty of parity. Yeah, it's almost like the fans of these teams are ignoring the fact that their teams are making it to Omaha and they're right yeah. up there competing with, with Vanderbilt and, and those other schools. You know, it's like they ignore that that aspect of it. But, um, you know, it is what it is. And, and college sports, you know, we're, we're always griping, it seems, about, about yeah. something. And, and uh, you know, we'll see. You know what but. they say, Billy? They only tackle the guy with the ball, right? Like that's <laughs> right, the, yeah. Right. When people are griping about you, that's probably the best compliment you can exactly. receive. And, and Vanderbilt, again, this is this this is normal. I mean, this is not, not yeah. a surprise. And it's something that, you know, they, they've had to kind of debate. But I do want to talk more about this team in particular and, and this year's team, because it seems like every year they find a way to, to grab an identity and grab hold of it. This team, they grabbed it pretty early with a couple of pitchers that are going to be really, really good in the future. Uh, but right now, they're on a they're on a skid. They, they lost at home to Georgia last uh, last weekend. They hung on barely to beat Eastern Kentucky uh, in the midweek. How important do you think this series is for this team and, and kind of their trajectory? Um, and, and how much should Vanderbilt fans, I guess, worry about where they are right now? In terms of offensively, we know where they are pitching-wise. Yeah, I mean, I think it's um... – I, 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 the way I think of it is, you know, the, the SEC season is, you know, Kumar Rocker and Jack Later did look invincible and it did look like um, Vandy would never lose a weekend series because those two guys were going to win every start. And, you know, I, I, I got sucked into that because I, I, I know how good those kids are. I mean, we've all seen it with our own eyes. But, you know, the SEC is it's the best regular season in, in our sport. You know, it's 10 weeks, no buys, no week off weeks for finals, um, just 30, 30 games, 10 straight weeks, just mouthpieces in, buckle your chin straps, Love and here it. we go. And, you know, it's and, – and one of the other things that happened to Vanny last weekend was, you know, certainly Kamar Rocker had a really bad start. So that, that just happens. Um, but they're, you know, missing some guys in the lineup, and that's part of this grind right. of just playing week after week. And, you know, I think Tate Colwick is a really tough loss for them, and I believe it was a handmade injury. So, yeah. um, you know, that could be four to six weeks. And, you know, you don't get Isaiah Thomas and Cooper Davis. And, you know, clearly that's not why the series was lost, but it didn't help. But I, I would say it this way. I, you know, there are going to be dark moments in an SEC season because the league is so ferociously competitive. But – you know, I've said this to a lot of people. There are three teams in America right now where if they don't make it to Omaha, I will be sincerely surprised. Those three teams are Ole Miss, Vandy, and Arkansas. Now, Ole Miss, I said this before Tim Elko sustained an injury, and I still feel fairly convicted on them, but that's a big injury for them. The other five spots, Billy, in Omaha, I mean, you could tell me that Southeastern Louisiana is going to make it, and I would be like, I'm in. Yeah. Like th- that makes sense. Like this, this year has been so wacky, but um, so I think, I think for Vandy fans, I mean, you, you, you got a really nice roster. I'd like to see it get healthier. And, you know, certainly I'm very curious to see what happens this weekend, but 
you know, it, it, these are a nice set of cards that, that you've got. Not, not bad. And this weekend, Mike, they, they go to Knoxville. And, and we saw a couple weeks ago, Paul Maneri uh, was kind of griping about uh, the students. I think they're right behind first base, which is a unique position uh, for student for a student section to be in. Mississippi State, they're Ole Miss, they're in the outfield. Um, so what about that atmosphere? It, it makes it unique in college baseball. And, and how do you think a team like Vanderbilt might handle that and, and, and deal with it? Because, I mean, if LSU's griping about it, a team who is a little bit down, but that's a legit program with who is coached by a very good coach. So how do you think uh, Vanderbilt might approach that atmosphere this weekend? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, I, I think the only difference for Vanderbilt is when you're going to play Tennessee, if you're Vandy, you're already expecting emotion and chippiness right. and right. that type of thing. So whereas LSU, maybe it's caught them by surprise like, a oh, little Tennessee. bit. These, these fans are loving it out here. Yeah. Yeah. It is. I, I they have a name too. I gotta, we gotta look up Chris Burke on Twitter. Cause he's, <laughs> it's like the Lindsay Nelson rallies uh, or something. Yeah. We'll, 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 fi- we'll figure it out. Yeah. Well, wait, clearly the prototype is a bunch of male students that do not wear shirts. I mean, it's shirts optional was clearly the uniform uh, uh, that I saw on Twitter, but yeah, I mean, I think it's, um, I think I think I don't see that as a major factor for Vandy. You know, it's it's a very mature team. It's a mature coaching staff. You know, it's it's certainly not fun to have people you know in your ear. And the one, you know, I think the the difference this weekend is ten, you know Tennessee probably have a bigger crowd this weekend, and so that drowns the noise out a little bit. But I think more than anything for Vandy right now, it's about hey. I mean, I think we're all interested to see Kumar Rocker start this week, yep. right? Because it was not a good one last week, and Tennessee's lineup is very. It's a very good lineup. It's it's um it's not a bunch of show ponies. I mean, these kids are real, really skilled baseball players. And um, you know, and then you know, how does how does the Vanderbilt lineup continue to progress with these injuries that they've sustained? So I think uh, but I, I do think it will be chippy. I think it'll be fun. I think um, you know, I, this will not be just kind of like a plain Jane generic no, series. There'll no. be some emotion. No, it's going to be fun. I think a lot of it, both teams fans are really excited to watch it. It's going to be a, a great atmosphere. And Mike, I want to ask you about the game three starter for Vanderbilt, Patrick Riley. Um, he really got roughed up against Georgia and, and he's a freshman. He's, you know, so is technically Jack Leiter. He played a little bit last year, but the game three starter, I think Tim Corbin's trying to figure out who that guy might be. Uh, they placed Christian Little in there at the beginning of the year, and now they're trying to, I, I guess, still find that guy. Is there a person, not personality, but is there a style that a coach might want in a game three starter? Um, and 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 how tough is it to find that guy if you don't have it already? And because you got lighter and rocker, but Patrick Riley, is he the guy you think? And and what are some of those decisions that Tim Corbin is going through in order to find that the right guy? Yeah, it's tough. And it's like, you know, ideally you'd have it figured out long before the SEC. I mean, like SEC play is a bad time for tryouts, right? It's (laughs) It's it's a bad time. Yeah. And so, but, you know, I get it. You know, the, um, they tried Schultz early in the year and, and you know, the results were mixed and um, Chris McElwain was a a, a name, Mm -hmm. you know, I had seen him pitch at Oklahoma state and and you're, you're sitting there, you're looking at that stuff thinking he's an interesting candidate. And so, yeah, I, I mean, hey, nobody is going to know who the be- who are better candidates than Scott Brown and Tim Corbin. And, mm-hmm. you know, the, the style you're looking for, you're just looking for somebody that can keep the game intact for five to six innings. Can it, You know, does a guy have two or, you know, ideally three pitches where you could keep a lineup off balance three times through the order? 
Um, I, I, you know, I mean, honestly, I think for Vandy, there's a lot of arm talent on that pitching staff. And I, I feel like there's a lot of roles that are still trying to be sorted out. And, you know, Sam Laboki, it, 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 I, I don't, I haven't heard what his injury is or if he, in yeah, fact, he has an he's, injury. He's doubtful this weekend. Um, yeah. ha- Corbin didn't provide an update, but it doesn't seem good for this weekend. Yeah. So, yeah, I think, I think that's the, that's a real, that's like number one on the shopping list for, for Scott Brown and Tim Corbin is mm-hmm. outside of Kumar and Jack, you've got a lot of talented arms, but finding the right roles for those guys, I think is still a work in progress. Yeah. And we'll see Vanderbilt. Uh, they still have to play Ole Miss and you know, they're likely to see Arkansas in the sec tournament. If, if they do get there, uh, you know, all the way to the, to the end towards the championship. But how do you think this, this Vandy boys team stacks up with Ole Miss and Arkansas, the two other, you know, top teams in the, in the, in the nation, how do you think they stack up? Because Ole Miss great hitting team, you know, they, we lost, they lost a really good player. Uh, but one, two, three, how would you organize that right now? It's still probably pretty tough because we're almost at the halfway mark, but how would you assess those three teams right now? Yeah, I would say, they're very different, which is fun. You know, like they're yeah. very different teams. You know, Ole Miss is, I, I, I feel like it's one of the deepest, most functional rosters in college baseball. It feels like Mike Bianco can go, you know, it, it, it man 25, man 26, man 28 in his mm-hmm. roster and still get production. They, they've got a lot of options at Ole Miss. Now, now again, Elko's a big injury. Hoagland and Nikhazy is a really... Uh, good start to the rotation, you know, almost, almost rivals what Vandy has, you know, so they have a similarity there. Um, you know, it's, it, I, I, I think I liked Ole Miss's lineup better, but without Elko, maybe that changes, uh-huh. you know, Ole Miss does play very good defense. Um, you know, and, and so if I, if I kind of flip over to Arkansas, so mm-hmm. Ole Miss and Vandy have some similarities. I think I like Ole Miss's depth better. It, maybe it's just more established depth. Uh, of course, you know, I, I, I like Kamar and, and Jack Leiter better than any other one-two punch <laughs> in America. And that's no offense to Hoagland and to Casey. Arkansas is really interesting because I think they're very dangerous, too, because they haven't even played their best baseball. But what Arkansas has that shows up every day is they have the best up the field, up the middle of the field defense in America. You know, Casey Opitz is a veteran catcher who could catch in the big leagues someday. He could catch in the big leagues defensively tomorrow. And and he's a leader that won't let his team kind of get too far off the mark. And then, you know, um, Bob Moore at second base and Jalen Battles, that's an elite, elite middle of the the infield. Uh, You know, Christian Franklin's a first rounder in center field. I think their offense still has a way to go and and they haven't even played up to their talent level Mm -hmm. but they're you know it's not it's it's a little messy on the mound for Arkansas they got a lot of talent but they're they're they they have Scott Brown's problem as far as finding roles for guys they have that on steroids you know like (laughs) there's they they haven't had the same rotation once to my knowledge Um, but but again they're, they're so immensely talented so if you made me order them I would just stick with Arkansas one Vandy two old miss three but again I, I think of all three of those teams in the same tier. Like that is the creme de la creme in college baseball this year. Yeah, it, it really is going to be fun to watch how these teams play out. And I want to kind of go back real quick before we close it out to, to Vandy Tennessee series this weekend. And uh, the motivation is there for Vanderbilt. You know, they've struggled the past, you know, series against Georgia. They struggled against Eastern Kentucky and baseball America, not D1 baseball, but baseball America put Tennessee ahead of Vanderbilt at number five, Vandy at number six. Uh, so the, the motivation is there. Who knows if Tim Corb is looking at that, but for Kumar rocker, Mike, 
Well, what, how do you expect him to respond? The natural inclination is to say he's going to throw a no hitter on, on, on right. tomorrow night and, and dominate, but really how tough do you think it might be for him? Because Tennessee, you talked about their hitting. This is a legit offensive team yeah. that Kumar it's, it's going to be tough. So how do you expect him to respond after a tough outing against Georgia? Yeah, I, I expect Kumar to re- respond really well because everything I've heard about the kid is it, like, like, okay, special talent, but special person. And so right. I expect him to respond. I expect him to, you know, pitch well. You know, I think the thing with Kumar is he's always got that breaking ball he can lean on when he gets in mm-hmm. a pickle. Um, you know, I, I was there. Kumar's first college start, couldn't get out of the second inning against TCU. And then four months later, he's – you know, the college world series, most outstanding player. Right. <laughs> so it's, so think about it, that was four months, you know, like 120 days later, this kid is on top of the mountain. His first start, he couldn't get out of the second inning, but to your point, Billy Kumar could throw great and still go up, give up two or three runs. I mean, this, this Tennessee lineup is a handful. It's diverse. They can do a bunch of different things. They play him with a lot of confidence right now. You know, it was concerning on Tennessee's front. I, I didn't see Liam Spence in the lineup their last two games, and mm-hmm. I think he's a really important um, player for them. Mm-hmm. But uh, I would be shocked if he didn't play this weekend. So, yeah, I, I, think, I think Kumar will play great, and I still think it could be a really good game. Yeah, Mike, I'm actually just remembering you were in the booth at Hawkins Field for his no-hitter against Duke. It's really crazy. I actually just remembered that. So maybe here's to another one maybe tomorrow night. Yeah, let's go. Uh, We wish you were there giving him luck. But, Mike, thank you so much. This is a pleasure, and uh, good luck with the coverage again. You'll be at Minnesota, Michigan. But uh, thanks for talking some college baseball with us today. You got it, Billy, anytime. Thanks for having me. Well, that does it for Episode 79 of The Door Report, powered by Alaco Finewood Floors. Big thanks to Mike Rooney college baseball analyst for D1Baseball.com, here with us today to preview the Vanderbilt and Tennessee series coming up this weekend. For myself, Billy Derrick, Will Byram, and Mike Rooney, thank you for tuning in to another episode of The Door Report, powered by Alaco Finewood Floors.